Now, question based on your stamina. Would you like a sermon or would you like to continue with our prayer? I'm not thinking either way. Alright, we can get a sermon out of it. So, so, we're going to talk today for a little bit about Philippians. Now, I normally preach on the gospel, that is the liturgy the appropriate thing to do, but occasionally I deviate from the gospel. And, and when I do, it's normally for a purpose. And so, but, uh, not only are we going to uh, but I'm going to require some work of you if we do the sermon. So you know, you're going to work a little bit, sometimes I, I, I need you guys' uh, participation a little bit. So, this passage from Philippians 3 that I'm going to talk about, the reason I'm going to talk about it is it is very relevant for today because it contains a theme that the church has struggled with for 2,000 years. It was a major problem at the time that Paul wrote to the Philippians. It was a major problem at the Reformation. And it is a major problem today. In fact, most people in this room have experienced this problem with the Episcopal Church and everything that we went through. So it is relevant. But before I talk about it, uh, I was thinking about this, and I thought, well, what, what will connect? And I know some of the gentlemen in here that will connect with. I don't know about everyone else. Who here has seen MASH? The reason I thought about that is I have seen, my dad likes MASH, okay? It was one of his shows. I think I've seen in every single episode of MASH probably three times, right? Now, for younger people, it may be friends. They've ever seen it, it's a conference, it's kind of similar thing. Most people have seen it every episode more than once, right? So we're familiar with the concept of a rerun, right? And so the reason I give that to you is every heresy in the church, there are no heresies. We just don't know about church history, so we fall for the rerun. They're all reasons. They're bad ideas that the church already dealt with. Alright? And so, the concept I want to talk about today is two groups who still influence the church today. And this is relevant in understanding the New Testament and the writings. We say, oh, well, Philippians, that's a book of the Bible. And right, it is. But who are the Philippians? They're the citizens of the Roman city of Philippi. Okay? So he sends a letter to the church in Philippi, and they get up and say, Hey guys, we got a letter from St. Paul. We should probably read it. Alright? And he's writing to them about issues that are going on in the church in his day. Make sense? Now, in the context, he's writing a letter to the Philippians from prison. So he's been in prison. And he's writing to them, and he is warning them about two groups that were a problem in the early church, and they're still a problem today. And those groups are called the Judaizers and the Gnostics. Now, who are the Judaizers? Is that how you answer? What does it sound like? Yes. So the Judaizers, and this is important, they thought that in order to become Christians, you have to become Jewish. And you have to submit yourself to the Jewish law, the ritual law, the dietary law, and this is another one for conversion to circumcision. So you want to be Christian? Great. We'd love to tell you about our church first. 
you got to make this little procedure. Because I expected the Alright? That was one group. The second group is the Gnostic. Now, who is the Gnostic? Anybody have any idea? <laughs> the Gnostic affected the church for centuries and still today. So, Gnostic comes from a Greek word. The word is Gnosis, and it means knowledge. And they held that they had some secret knowledge that hadn't been revealed. The only they had the real information. And the Gnostics were based, based in Greek philosophy. And if you know about Greek philosophy, Greek philosophy says that material things are bad. It's only spiritual things are good. So we need to be very spiritual. And it doesn't really matter how we live. Does that sound familiar to anyone? We can live however we want. Because we're spiritual. That's a Gnostic. So, in the church throughout time and today, the Judaizers will be most aligned to the fundamentalists. Right? Who are legalists, who think that they are the only ones that understand the scripture, and if you don't align to what they say, you don't know. The Gnostics are the theological liberals who say, well, my conscience says this is fine because I'm a spiritual person and I follow my conscience, then to go ahead, welcome to the physical church. That this is a problem. It's not a new problem is what I want you to understand. And so Paul condemns both of these approaches to arriving at this. This is why it's important in the He says that both of these approaches are not in fact spiritual. They're not in fact based in Christ. They are immature and they are of the flesh. And if you know about the writing Paul, he contrasts the flesh and the spirit, right? Worldly desires versus godly desires. And so, the Judaizers are not mature because they glory in the flesh, meaning the Genesis. They glory in the fact that they're circumcised. They say, well, you think you're a Christian? I'm better than you because I'm a Christian and I'm circumcised. Well, how's that? The Gnostics are worldly and fleshly because they proclaim themselves to be spiritual while living out their fleshly desires. They're immoral. He criticizes both of these approaches. And he says, and, and I mean this is gold, he says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tells you even with tears, walketh in the of the cross of Christ. Now that's a good pastor to say, you want to follow Jesus? Follow me. I'm not able to say that. I don't know what I got. Someday I'm able to say that with a clear conscience. Paul's able to say to them, don't follow this group, the Judaizers, and don't follow this group, the Gnostics. Follow me and those who walk according to the pattern that I gave you. If they live out the faith like me, you can follow them. Because the others are enemies of the cross. Now why would we call these two groups the enemies of the cross? Why would we say that Judaizers are enemies of the cross? Why would it be wrong for Christians to say you have to become Jewish to be a Christian? Well, Jesus didn't say that. 
Jesus didn't say that. Not only that, Jesus, so we talked about two covenants, or testament. What do we call them? The Old Testament. Why is there a New Testament? There's a New Testament because Jesus Christ in his person fulfilled the Old Testament. And the reason we are not subject to the Old Covenant is because Christ himself in his person fulfilled that and inaugurated a New Covenant. And in a few minutes when we do the Eucharist, I will say that Jesus, after supper, took the cup. And giving thanks, he gave us this and said, take Drink this, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood. Right? We are people of the new covenant. So if you were to subject everyone to the law of Moses and the 613 dietary laws and give her certain fabrics and give certain things, and we subject ourselves that those signs have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, who is the reality. The blood of Christ in Jesus is the reality, which was promised in the old covenant. So, Judaizing is to be an enemy of the cross. The Gnostics are enemies of the cross because, uh, and this, I can move far here, but essentially, they deny the physical world. They only affirm the spiritual world. And so they deny that Jesus Christ became flesh, actually, that he was fully human, and that he died on the cross. And John writes in these called Gnosticism to appear, that Jesus appeared. In fact, St. Ignatius of Antioch, when Moses was bishop in the immediate period after the assessment, Moses said to avoid and depart from those who deny that Jesus Christ came into the flesh. And John said that as well. So, those who would be in the universe, you can't start getting into the cross. Those who are Judaizing are in the cross. Those who are Gnostics who deny that we must live out the faith physically, that we can't just be intellectual and spiritual people. There's a faith called on us to live a certain life, which is difficult. We can acknowledge that it's difficult. We can acknowledge that we fail at it. What we can't do is do away with it. To do that is to be an enemy of the cross of Christ. And then he says, this is a great problem, okay? This is some. I, I love the same quality in touch with the reason. He's not soft. He says, There is a destruction, their God is their devil, and their glory is their shame, with mindset on earth and So he says, as long as these priests, first he says, There is a destruction. Don't be fooled. Regardless of what they complain, it's not going to be the rest when they face each other as well. The second thing is that an interesting thing. Their God is their God. What do you mean by that? Good. Their God is their family, right? For the Judaizers, that meant, what do they govern by? We can't eat with Gentiles. We don't eat with Right? We, we follow these certain dietary laws. If you're not kosher, we don't associate. God of the devil. And what he's saying is they made that more important than God. For, for the Gnostics, why is the God there? Well, they're out there flesh and desire. They do whatever they want. We can drink all day long. Right? God is the devil. Now, their glory is their shame. We live in a culture that is devoid of shame, so that may be a hard one for us to understand. 
What is he referring to that they glory in their shame? Well, for the Jews, let's be frank, he's saying they glory in their generals. That's the point he's making. It's not very easy, but he's saying if, if they identify their faithfulness as Christ in their circumcision, they are glorying in what is shameful, what we cover up, their generals. And for the Gnostics, they glory in their shame. Because they live in what apathy, they live however they want, they live out their worldly desires with no regard because they're spiritual. This is very popular in the church today. And so there's an important point that he is making here that the Judaizers uh, live in a way that is wrong, and the Gnostics live in a way that is wrong. And we are called to live differently than both those groups. Now, the next thing he says, is that um, their minds are set on earthly things. So the Judaizers actually in the early church were very concerned about recognition and status. They wanted to be Christians, so they wanted to be proper, respectable Jews. Right? I can see they call them my status. I'm from the 12 tribes. I'm a man. Okay? On the other side, the Nazis are, are have their mindset on earthly things because they are they don't want also a special life, a difficult life, a life of self-denial. They want to be worldly. They want to be accepted by the world and popular in the world. We see this, these again in the church today. And the Paul of something important. He contrasts us, us with those people. And he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. See, contrast, don't worry about earth. We belong to heaven. And from it, we will wait a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So, the Judaizers are set on the earthly body and its circumcision. The Gnostics are set on the earthly body and its pleasures, and Paul says we are set on the resurrection body, the body of Jesus Christ, who will come, and when he appears, we will be like him. We await him because he will transform our bodies to be like his resurrected and glorious body. So don't pursue the path of the Judaizers, who glory is that in their bodies. Don't pursue the path of the Gnostics who pursue their freedom with their bodies. Instead, pursue Jesus Christ who will give you a body like this. That's a powerful message. It's a message that challenges us to not give way to the party that says you have to do everything I say because I read it this way. Most of Protestants are strong. And not to give way to the liberal theologians in the Episcopal Church and those who say, well, we're spiritual, so we can live how we want. Those are the ways that have much easier. It's much harder to say, I'm going to stand here, I'm going to follow the faith and the tradition of the church. Where I fail, I'm going to acknowledge my failure and try to live more faithfully to Jesus Christ because I await a Savior from heaven who will transform my body to be like His glory in body. That is our in our prayer. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.